do 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 why am i not surprised gotta make you do some work around here honestly yeah i know so hmm so my kids are fully into the swing of school and today my kindergartner brings home a note that says you have not been recording your children's reading every single day for two weeks and i'm like oh i forgot about that the last uh-huh. time we had a kindergarten was like three years ago now maybe four years ago now okay and i totally forgot we need to record reading to them mm-hmm. and i don't know we were a bedtime story every night and i don't <sighs> tell me if i'm wrong about this okay if a student in kindergarten is progressing very, very nicely with reading and writing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's very important that we record when we read to them? Are we talking about like recording a time and date? Oh, uh, no, it? just writing down like how long did you read to your kid today? 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. No. Yeah, I don't think so either is the thing. So I'm tempted just to kind of blow it off. Like, look, we're reading to our kid. We know we we do this with all of our children. None of our kids so far have had any trouble reading. They're all reading past their reading level. They struggle with math, but that's because their parents suck at math. But reading is not a big deal. So, I mean, if we, it slips our mind to write this down on a little piece of paper and send it to you every week, then I don't know. I'm not going to sweat over it. I'm trying to think of a reason for why they'd want you to do that. Well, here's the thing. Other than data collection, like so they can report, <laughs> like just statistics about how many parents read to their kids. I'd be more interested in collecting statistics based on how many like parents get their kids to sit down and read and then time them. That would be much yeah. more interesting to have, but they're not collecting that, so I don't know. Yeah, they're not. Well, I mean, part of the thing here is that there are some parents who don't read the kids. There aren't books in the house, right? And so that is mm-hmm. one of the major components in if kids learn how to read in a timely fashion. Right. Teachers can do everything they can, but if there's just no reinforcement in the home at all, then it's going to be a really hard job for the teachers. So if they can find a way to be like, all right, here is some external motivation for you guys. Please read to your kids. Buy some kids' books. Go to the library for those families, and I get it. And I get that there's really not much of a way for them to determine which families read and which ones don't other than this. Mm. But I still think if there's a kid who's already writing well and reading well, then maybe don't stress about it. Maybe just let it go. Yeah, I can see that. All right, good. Same page. Is there an incentive for you to record this? Like, do do they offer you anything? Is it like a free Kindle at the end? No. I mean, part of it, I guess they're implying like your kid's going to get a bad grade in kindergarten. But holy smokes, do I not care about (laughs) that? (laughs) No, no, I couldn't imagine anyone caring about that. No. Nope. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, their school is pretty academically rigorous. They start the kids on homework in kindergarten. Like, she's got... It's not a lot of stuff, but it's just basically, you know, color in this number of squares with this color and write these numbers and write these letters and then maybe do, like, a very, very, very simple word problem. Yeah. And that's it. I think it's just more to get them in the habit of doing this thing, but I think it's all just part and parcel. It's all one big thing. We're academically rigorous here. We want our kids to have good study habits from the very beginning. We want to make sure they're reading every day, and this is how we tell they're reading every day, right? Mm. Just thought I'd get an outside perspective from someone who doesn't have kids and see how they felt about it. Fair enough. Right. Right. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm trying to find, so once again, something I vaguely remember hearing on another podcast is there was a study, and I'm now trying to, like, ad hoc find that study but it basically it basically showed that students 
when they went into schools, their like entrance exams and things like that, their, their first exams and their last exams were all about the same place. So if yeah. they placed high at the beginning, they'll place high at the end. And that, that correlated with doing no homework for any student, right? Or And to doing a lot. Students that did a lot and did little saw the same amount of growth. Yep. I've heard of those studies. And I've definitely seen some stuff on Reddit where a note gets sent home for a kid and the teacher's like, I'm not doing homework. Like, make sure they mm. play outside and do stuff that's important and, like, play with other kids and stuff. Mm. Use this time for childhood. Don't do it for work that really, it's my job to teach them in the classroom. So, right, I thought right. that was neat. Mm. So, I'm just wondering what the point of recording whether or not they did what is essentially homework, right? Getting yeah. uh-huh. students to read or read to, read to. Yes. Like, what, what the point of that could be. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think it's all part of this same deal. The same deal. We just want our kids to get good study habits early. And right. I mean, but know, if the is... study doesn't, but if the study doesn't help, yeah, then why do it? Don't know. I mean, my experience was I didn't have to do homework through kindergarten through twelfth grade. They assigned it to us, but there was isn't time in school to get it done, and I got it done, and I never did stuff at home, and I had terrible study skills at home because very rarely I had to do anything. Sometimes there'd be a science fair project or some kind of art project or a big book report that I would do. But by and large, I was not doing homework every day. So then I get to college and suddenly the entire time in class is being taken for a lecture and there is no time in the class period to get any work done and you do all of it outside of the classroom and i failed miserably i had no idea how to budget my time i had no idea how to get stuff you know tackle stuff early so it didn't pile up on me over time and as a result i failed that first semester of my freshman year because i just didn't understand the concept of working outside of the classroom and eventually i figured it out right i eventually got a bachelor's degree realized that homework is a real thing and realized how to do it but i'm just wondering if maybe this helps those kids who would be like me normally but because they did have those habits developed for them right by their instructors (laughs) k through 12 they get there and they don't fail their freshman year because they don't understand the importance of getting that stuff done maybe i'm gonna say there was something wrong with you that through (laughs) their through an entire semester of college you never once stopped and said maybe i should do something outside of the classroom Oh, you're, you're assuming I never did that? I absolutely thought to myself, hmm, maybe I should do this, and then I didn't. <laughs> well, that's the thing. If you thought of it, why didn't you just do it at that point? I don't know. Procrastinated. You really think setting out an early like example on doing homework is going to solve people in college procrastinating? It's like, okay, if we send them home and study, these youthful people who are all now given a sense of freedom the first time they've moved out of their parents' home and off to college, they're going to just study. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. I don't know. I'm posing posing a theory here. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. Mm. School. I don't miss it. And having to, like, be parents to kids who are back in school is not an enjoyable experience most of the time. I'll take your word for it. School is easy, so... I, if okay so growing up my dad always like had like if like what, what do you want to be if, like what do you want for christmas dad or what do you want to be when you grow up and he goes i want to be a kid again and i never really quite got that because i'm like okay i kind of want to i kind of want to grow up though now and now that i'm grown up i'm like you know what if i could just go back to high school i would it's so easy so yeah. easy yeah get to hang out with your friends all day I, I never studied. Yep. So, All subjects? Yeah. You didn't struggle with anything? Uh, I struggled with music. 
Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Well, I changed midway through my, like, because in Australia, it's two senior years, year 11 and year 12. I changed schools at the end of year 11, and some of my classes weren't offered to year 12 students at the new school, so I had to pick up new classes there. And yeah. at, my, at my first school, it was a split-level music class, which meant there were year 11s and year 12s in the same class. Sure. And the teacher just basically said, look... You guys do basically whatever you want, as long as it's vaguely music related. I'm going to get these students set for their exams and stuff. And then okay. next year, it's your turn. And we get to ignore the next guys. <laughs> nice. And, and it wasn't like he was a bad teacher, right? He, he, there was always time in the class if you asked for help on like how to do something or how to play an instrument or whatever. You, at, th- at that point, it's essentially you had the entire year to perform four like pieces of music. Like You just play four songs and you pass. That's kind of it. Like whatever instrument you wanted? Oh, on yeah. As long as you had an instrument, you couldn't play the oboe if you didn't have an oboe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you sing? Yeah. If you could sing and play guitar, that counted as two instruments in one song. Could you just sing? Yeah. Nice. Okay. So it was very wide yeah. open. All right. Yeah, yeah. Because they, they count the voice as an instrument. Um, cool. But then I changed to another cl- uh, the other school, and the teacher was like, so... How's your progress going? And I'm like, well, I had no help from my teacher for the last nine months. <laughs> By the way. Yeah, so I, I can kind of play some guitar. And she's like, oh, okay. And then later that year, she tried to fail me for not participating in <gasps> not uh, like not required performances for like parent-teacher nights and stuff like that. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. And she's like, all right, well, I'm going to fail you for a credit. I'm like, you can't do that. My stepmother's a teacher. And she's like, oh, well... Would you, would you do it anyway? And I'm like, no. And then later that day, I broke my ankle and I had to be taken away with, to the hospital in an ambulance. Oh, that that took quite a turn. Um. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I didn't break my ankle to get out of doing it. <laughs> but no, it, it does. It, it would appear that way on a record of events. Yeah, 100%. That would be the implication. So, did you really do the, my mom's a teacher here, you can't touch me argument? No, 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 no. That kind of sucks. No, no, no. She, she wasn't a teacher there. She was a teacher, and I knew that what she wanted me to do was not required. Oh, for a okay. Student. It was. It wasn't required in the curriculum. Right. So you just understood this. Understood the system. Yes. Because your mom knew all of the secrets. My my stepmother at the time, uh, yes, would occasionally talk to me about things. Gotcha. Very handy. Huh. All right. So you did not mind school except for the music portion because it sucked for reasons that oh, yeah. you just heard. Science at the new school also sucked because the teacher there uh, for, I think it was chemistry and physics that I was doing, she demanded to see my old school's, like, book, like, my work. So I gave her that, and she was like, I can't tell what's what in here. You have to do it again. (laughs) I mean, was she right? Was it just a mess? I mean, it was a mess, but I had done all the work. It was all there. And so I I dropped her class and took up a a TAFE course, a TVET course is what they called it. A what? A, a TVET course. It's the program where students from high schools can go to a TAFE like uh, college campus. I think I've explained TAFEs here before. It's where I went and did my apprenticeship training. Like they sent me there a day instead of going work to work to get my official qualifications, my certificate. Okay. Yeah. So high school students could go there, and by the time I ended up graduating high school, I also had a. Uh, I still have a certificate in graphic design. Hmm. Handy. Yeah literally never used it but it's a qualification nevertheless indeed <laughs> hmm. well school is behind us both yeah true 
We have varying feelings on that. It's true for both of us. Cool. Well, yep. in other news, the Spider-Man PlayStation 4 came out on Friday of last week. Wait, uh-huh. maybe two weeks ago, depending on when you post this. Maybe. Maybe. Two it Fridays out, ago. Uh, September 7th. Yes. Let's just use the date. Yep. September 7th. And it's getting some pretty good buzz, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So one of my friends who has a PlayStation, she's a huge gamer. She got the she got the Spider-Man. She's both a huge gamer and a huge Spider-Man fan, like big time. I, I think the Venn diagram there really does cross over a lot. Yes, that is a legitimate Venn diagram with lots of colored and space in the middle. I, I would be surprised if the circles didn't just overlap. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like video games? Yes. Then you like Spider-Man, guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, that's probably very fair, actually, thinking about it. Who hates Spider-Man, honestly? Uh, arachnophobes. But he's not even a spider. But he's well, a not spider even those man. people. Sure. There is a uh, comic where he like mutates and has eight arms. I think people might be scared of that. Yes. And there's a man spider thing too, which is terrifying. Oh, okay. If it's terrifying, it's not the one I'm thinking of. The man spider is the one where he says he's afraid of everything outside. So he just put a, a giant glass over himself. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> oh, wow. That thing is terrifying, yeah. yeah but that's that's, the, that's what I was talking about, where he mutates and has a bunch of arms. Yeah, I mean, it's not just arms. It, he gets a spider head, he gets spider legs and appendages, and it's not good. It's gross. So yeah, not a man spider. Okay, did you listen to the uh, Spider-Man song I put in music in the Discord? Uh, I did not. Oh my god. Take three minutes out of your day and listen to it now. Um. Okay, deal. <laughs> Overactive thyroid gland. <laughs> definitely not a virgin <laughs> nothing like convincing people you're not a virgin by saying definitely not a virgin yeah <laughs> apart from eating their mate during copulation <laughs> that we know of anyway <laughs> three minutes and 28 seconds very good people are picking it up and making things with it it's getting a lot of buzz uh yeah oh yeah, I thought yeah you know the music video i was like really no <laughs> the video game yeah it definitely is uh and i mean the first thing that my coworker said was web slinging it's the best part of the game and it usually is in spider-man games is web slinging it's just mm-hmm. apparently it's it's hard to mess it up i remember playing playstation one spider-man way back in the day like 2000 mm-hmm. 2001 and yeah the web slinging was a ton of fun <laughs> probably one of the best parts of the game and i was actually thinking okay so it doesn't actually make you web sling you just you jump you press web sling and it's like all right you connected with this building and now you're swinging you don't have to tell it where to connect at all it's not like it's mm-hmm. hard you're not thinking about it it just does i remember playing a spider-man game where it just like connected like obviously connected to nothing like you could swing where there were no buildings i i, I think this one at least gives you uh tries to resemble there being buildings like if you in I saw a video where someone was in uh, Central Park, and they could only swing like midway through trees, like they couldn't go up as high as the buildings. Wait, really? Yep. Huh. All right, that makes sense. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying the swing evolution is progressing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Definitely. 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 So I'm just wondering if, like, okay, so here is a sports video game analogy. Mm. Back probably 10 years ago, the NFL football game Madden NFL developed what was called a visual, like a 
a view cone or something like that. And as a quarterback, usually prior to this in video games, your quarterback could see the whole field and you decide who to throw to, no big deal. Your vision was unobstructed. They introduced a version where you actually had to move your stick in the direction you wanted your quarterback to look and you couldn't see what was going on on the other half of the field. And so it just increased the level of difficulty quite a bit. And it really threw people for a loop. And I'm, But people really loved it as well. And people really succeeded with it and enjoyed the challenge. And I'm just wondering if maybe the next Spider-Man game, they introduced a version where you could totally do that. Where it's like, all right, look here, aim, hit this button while aiming at this part of the building and that's where you web sling and if you screw it up you will fall to your death uh i don't think i'll ever do that mm. because whenever you see spider-man in motion he doesn't have to look he he just kind of like okay there's a building over there and he's spider-man so he just points his hand and does the you know the horns or whatever and someone flies off that's all he needs to do he doesn't have to look and if you try to make the process of movement in a game too complex, people will just stop using it and just walk. Just walking in a Spider-Man game <laughs> is really immersion-breaking. That is something else I was going to bring up. There's so many of GIFs and video clips of Spider-Man like wandering down the sidewalk in New York. And I'm like, no, Spider-Man does not wander down the street <laughs> in the Spider-Man suit. It makes no sense. If I was in New York and I saw a dude in a Spider-Man costume walking down the street, I'd assume he was a fake Spider-Man. Like, why is he doing this? It, well, okay, I actually have an answer to that question. So generally, what it seems to be is he's like high-fiving random citizens and having conversations mm -hmm. with people. And I guess just generally developing a good reputation with a pure people on the street. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cause it makes sense for him to be on the ground, but it doesn't make sense for him to walk everywhere. Correct. Walk everywhere versus being on the ground sometimes. Definitely. Definitely. Definitely yeah. true. Yes. Because, yeah, a lot of Spider-Man games is he foils a robbery and then he's gone. Or he helps somebody out of a car wreck and then he's gone. Like, it's not a lot of, hey, how's it going? I just have some free time. You want to talk about, you know, football or you want to talk about the a musical that's on Broadway right now and... It just seems like a pretty a good way of doing things. It's just really foreign to me to see him just wandering about in the in the suit. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, actually, I've been watching someone's playthrough, oh. and they've got a whole bunch of suits that you can get. Um, yeah. That what they were playing with was the noir Spider-Man yeah. suit. Yeah. Uh huh. Where he's in like all black leather, and he has a pistol strapped to his hip. Holy what! <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. I knew there was a noir suit. I didn't know he had a gun. He has a gun. You can't like pull out and shoot people, but he's got a gun. <laughs> he has a decorative gun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm googling this right now. If you search noir on Google right now, the first autocomplete is noir Spider-Man. It's pretty good. <laughs> really? Yeah. Noir meaning noir. Sorry, Hills noir Spider-Man. So. so there's an Amazon.com uh, noir Spider-Man figurine where he's holding two guns. So that's pretty good. Yeah, most oh. of these photos he's holding. A revolver. Does Noir uh, Spider-Man kill people? Uh, it's entirely possible. To the internet. Oh, yeah. So I found this right up here. So Spider-Man Noir takes place mm. in the 40s. And okay. uh, it basically right off the bat has the vulture kill and eat Uncle Ben. Oh. At the behest of the Green Goblin. So it's straight up. This is what you're getting into, people. And then it says the vulture would soon target this timeline's version of Aunt May as well. But Spider-Man waited for this chance and had been dreaming of his chance to get revenge against his uncle's killer. So when the Vulture shows up, he murders him. The Vulture is dead okay. very, very early in Spider-Man Noir. Yeah. I found an article that apparently has all of the uh, suits that you can get. Oh, is there a website for that already? Yeah, Polygon's got an article on it. So I linked it to you in the chat. Yeah, Noir is like halfway down the page. 
but you okay. can kind of see the the pistol strapped to his right leg. Yeah, classic dark, electrically insulated when fighting Electro. Fair enough. Good old homemade. That's amazing. And oh, that black one is not the right one, nor is that one. There it is. Okay, so it's like in a sheath, like fully sheathed, it looks like. Even the handle is. It's in a holster. Holy crap, the spirit spider. What the hell? Spirit spider. Oh, it's Ghost Rider. Yeah. This Peter became the amazing spider, later died while trying to steal the powers of other spider heroes, was granted a second chance at life by the Sorcerer Supreme of his universe, Bruce Banner, and thus what? Ghost Spider was born. <laughs> sure. Alternate reality, Earth 11638. What happens if Uncle Ben never died? That's your answer, apparently. Fair enough. So the other thing is, each one of these suits apparently has their own little perks to them. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there is a webbing system here. He doesn't just make his own webs and they're unlimited. He has cartridges, but he also makes more webbing over time, which then he can use to spin. Does he have like a 3D printing machine inside his suit? I was very confused on this. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think, are, you, are we just talking about the game mechanic of having a, a yeah. web meter that refills over time? Yes. Okay, that's all it is. It's just a game mechanic. I don't think there's a okay. lore reason for why Spider-Man has both cartridges but replenishing web. Right. Okay. Because, I mean, I feel like before this point, it's either uh, he doesn't, like, he just has webs, the end, or mm. else he has cartridges he has to replenish. Which, in the PlayStation 1 version, means you're running around picking up cartridges off the ground, because apparently when you're fighting in Oscorp, these things just kind of are laying about. They're naturally occurring. Web yes. Cartridges, yes. <laughs> Spider webbing cartridges are naturally occurring. <laughs> What I like to think is as Spider-Man swings through the city, the web that he leaves attached to the building just coils itself back up and naturally over time will convert itself back into a cartridge. Yeah, that's what it is. Brilliant. That's my theory. I, I still am kind of uh, leaning towards the theory that is a 3D printing printer inside his suit that just uh feeds his cartridges no that doesn't make any sense no it really doesn't you're correct <laughs> no another thing that i saw i read the uh kotaku review which is pretty in-depth uh-huh and one of the things is if you knock a henchman off a building so they're gonna fall to their death they randomly just get webbed to the side of the building oh really you don't do it it's just like this webbing shows up it goes and sticks them to the side <laughs> of the building 50 stories up that's cool it's very cool. A bit immersion breaking, but it's nice to see that you thought of that. It is. Spider-Man doesn't kill, right? But at the same time, it's like, okay, how does the criminal get down from there exactly? <laughs> He's 48 <laughs> stories up on the side of a building. Is the fireman yeah. or like the fire department just running around from building to building, taking down criminals that Spider-Man has decided to stick in very inconvenient places? Maybe. I mean, in Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man revealed that it dissolved after like three to four hours. Okay, but then he falls to his death. I know, that's what I'm saying. Oh. Okay, it's just dead. <laughs> See, Spider-Man knocks him out and as he's falling, webs him to the side of the building. That way he can naturally wake back up and then be awake to fall to his death. <laughs> brutal. Oh my gosh, that's so brutal. You should, you should not write Spider-Man games, that's for sure. <laughs> I think I should absolutely write Spider-Man games. What are you talking about? Spider-Man buys a machete, walks down the street, just starts hacking at people. What's the easiest way to find bad guys? Cause trouble. <laughs> I, I, maybe? I don't know, man. If there's this rumor that Spider-Man's down on 5th Street, hacking people with a machete i think you'd probably run the other way if you're maybe. a criminal maybe maybe another thing that my friend complained about was that she says i have the proportionate strength of a spider but it takes about 16 punches for me to kill a random henchman dude mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So we understand that Spider-Man doesn't want to punch these people through concrete walls and kill them. But at the same time, mm. can we maybe kick it up a notch to where you can maybe <laughs> knock them down in a couple hits instead of 10? That that Yeah, that's a problem I've got with Spider-Man in general. It's Each of the movies all have a scene where he like can't use his strength properly and he like breaks a tap or something. Oh, but yeah, because he accidentally uses it in a situation that's not correct. Yeah. He just bent steel, but when he's actually fighting people with like rocket launchers and they've got guns and all this kind of stuff you you has to like punch them six times <laughs> it's like what yeah you've got uh. rocket launchers heading your way and you have to like love tap the person who just shot it at you yeah and yeah. in the game you can get upgrades that allow you to web the rockets and throw them back at people Ooh, that's pretty cool yeah i mean it looks like a fun gameplay mechanic but at the same time you're throwing rockets at people like grenade, oh yeah so basically. there's i completely forgot about that aspect i was just so focused on the like lacrossing it back at the people that i was very <laughs> impressed and then i was like, oh right then they explode so is that reliant yeah. on if you have webbing if you ran out of webbing can you not slingshot it back then i would assume so but it reach fills pretty quickly by oh. what i've seen in people it's not like it's a bar that goes down and then back up and back and it's like ping-ponging across the meter you, it's in like six segments and so it might be you know 10 seconds to refill a segment after it's used something gotcha. like that i haven't i haven't stopped the count but you don't instantly get back your entire web but like uh, and i think it recharges faster out of combat than in combat hmm so um let's say in combat how many seconds if you're all the way out to regenerate it to full have you seen that mm-hmm. i've seen it but i haven't stopped to count it I mean, did it feel like a long time or? No, uh, I think it felt like a good balance of like, okay, he just webbed someone up and now he has to punch people for a bit. Okay, good. I'm glad they found a middle ground there. That's nice. Because it would be really annoying if you're like fighting the scorpion and you can't do anything until your web comes back and it takes four minutes. You're just dodging the whole time. That would suck. That would totally suck. That's what she said too. You can't like fight the supervillains unless you web them first and then you can punch them. Otherwise they just block everything. So it's very reliant on your web slinging. I, I've seen that because like one of the first bosses that you fight is uh, Wilson Fisk. Uh-huh. If you don't web him up first, he just like blocks you and then punches you because apparently he's stronger than Spider-Man. Heresy. Don't know. He threw you through a wall. Yeah. I mean, he's crazy, stupid, strong. Here's the thing. I just feel like Spider-Man is so fast and so agile and so strong that unless you have super speed and agility yourself, you shouldn't be able to block everything he throws your way. Mm. I found the video of someone using his web shooters all the way to the bottom, and it's like 10 seconds and it refilled half of it in combat. Okay, that's totally fine. I'm down with that. So anyway, I'm just saying, so Wilson Fisk, yes. If you go frontal assault on him and try to punch him in the face and he's blocking stuff, I get it. But if you, like, throw a feint and then swing around and kick him in the back of the head, I don't see how he stops that from happening. Uh, he does it. He just takes it and shrugs it off. Oh. Doesn't... How does webbing him up make a difference then? But because it, it, it restrains him. Okay. And then you can just get. Then you can go in for an easy attack. If you faint an attack and then whip around, if he doesn't buy the faint, he just blocks the attack and then you die or you get strangled or whatever. But webbing him up guarantees that he comes. Mm. So there's no way to get a hit off without webbing. An uh, unblocked I, hit. I, I, are we theory crafting Spider-Man or are we talking about the game? I'm talking about the game. Then I don't know. I need to watch some gameplay then, because if you literally can't get a hit off on your enemies unless they're webbed, that feels lazy and dumb. I think it's just the bosses, right? Yeah. The regular guys you can do fine. What I will say this is I didn't see a health bar when I watched him. It might have been because it was like still, because it's one of the first bosses you fight. It might be the first boss. 
it's like in tutorial mode, so it didn't have like a health bar. And it was just like, no, you need to web him up and then hit him, right? Yeah. As like got a tutorial, so I'd have to keep watching and find out. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough for sure. I guess I'm just comparing this to the Batman Arkham games, which we did last pod. Mm, And I just can't imagine it'd be super fun to fight these bosses if I had to like battering the person using uh, some kind of a wire and restrain them before I could punch them in the face. Otherwise, I wouldn't do Mm. anything. That would bother me because a lot of those fights are really fun and you're consistently getting hits off and doing damage. And it feels great. And they're not like tied up waiting for you to punch them in the face. You actually have to time things correctly and do counterattacks and things. Right. Which is what a lot of them, like the mob fighting is, the random mooks. That looks like a lot of counterattacking and using angles and stuff. That looks like a lot of fun, but I just it makes me sad they took that away for the boss fights. Okay, well, I've only seen one of the boss fights, so I can't comment. And it might be okay. a situation where the boss fights play with special mechanics, right? It's not like they don't want the boss fight to just feel like another guy that you can just beat up on. Yeah, I get that. And Batman had that too. For Arkham Asylum, you fight against Poison Ivy, and it's very much the throwing projectiles at plants the whole time. You're not really beating anything up. Okay. Uh, another fight against Scarecrow, you're just playing like an avoidance type of a thing. Like he's got you in a hallucination, and you're trying to avoid getting spotted by this giant Scarecrow. And you're not, again, not beating anything up because you could easily beat up the Scarecrow, but it is a different type of a fight. So yeah, maybe that's what's going on here. I can see that. Okay, well, it's settled. It is settled. So I've always said... I've said for a very long time, I'm not buying a PlayStation 4 until The Last of Us 2 comes out, which is going to be very end of cycle for the console. (laughs) But man, this game makes me want to buy a PlayStation 4. I I mean, I was really thinking about it. I'm like, okay, there's God of War now. Yep. And then there's this. Yeah. And Falcon's been bugging me to play The Last of Us. Mm -hmm. I can pick up the remaster. And if Mm. it's good, I can get the Last of Us 2. And then there's like, what's that other open world game with like the techno dinosaurs? Oh, yeah. uh, Horizon Zero It's either Horizon Zero Dawn or Dawn, and I can never remember. I think it's Dawn, and I keep getting it confused with the anime Log Horizon because of the horizon. Me too! So I can never get it right. Every time I say either Dawn or Dawn, neither of them sound correct to me anymore. But basically, you're a redheaded teenager who fights robot dinosaurs, and it's amazing! I've heard really good things about it. Yes, it it looks like a really good open world game. Horizon Zero Dawn. It is Dawn. Dawn. It is Dawn. Thank you. I'll try to remember that. Some good games are starting to look like it's coming out for the PlayStation. Yeah. And it took a while because the PlayStation 4 has been out for such a long time. I yeah, mean, we what, worked that out. 2000, it was 2012? 2013 maybe? 13. Jeez. So maybe five years. Five years and they got three games that are worth buying to get a PlayStation. Uh, Amazing. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's just those three games. All right. I'm pulling up a list. Best PlayStation 4 games. Uncharted 4 is out. That's okay. Technically, The Witcher 3 is a PlayStation 4 game, but it's on the other platforms as well. Just exclusives. We just want exclusives. Oh, okay. So Uncharted then. Uncharted, God of War, Spider-Man, Bloodborne. Really? I thought Bloodborne was other places. No, Bloodborne is just on the PlayStation. Fallout 4. Nope, that was PC. And Xbox. And Xbox. Never mind. (laughs) I've heard good things about uh, Until Dawn. Okay. How about... uh, Oh, Detroit Become Human. That's not out yet, is it? Yeah, yes, it is. It's out? 
Yeah. I heard all this buzz about it, and then no one has ever like, by the way, it's good. So maybe it's not good. Oh, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe all the buzz you heard was people telling you that it's good. Well, no, it was before it was out, because I'd be like, is it out yet? No, here's a gameplay trailer. Like, here's the thing. But you didn't you didn't know it was out. How, how do you know if you didn't know it was out? Well, because the conversation was never, hey, I'm having fun playing this game. It's always, hey, I'm excited for this game to come out. It came or, out in May. Oh, my gosh. What? <laughs> <laughs> then i mm. it has an average score of 9.4 on what actually imdb okay. for some reason imdb rates video games now apparently apparently well huh all right um that 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 counts then as a mm. playstation 4 exclusive but i don't so maybe six games worth having maybe yeah i don't know i wait so i said this last week the reason i decided to buy games is buzz and i haven't heard anybody say i have had a blast playing detroit become human i Okay, you're only going to talk about people you know, right? Yes. Because I saw a bunch of people online having a blast playing it. Well, but even people online, like people I follow on Twitter, people I see on YouTube or Facebook, nobody was like, man, this game's awesome. So maybe just my circles are missing it. Maybe they're missing out. I mean, here's the thing. You already said you're going to commit Philosophers 2, right? Yes. Which you know is going to come out on the PlayStation 4. Yes. So why wait? Yeah, fair point. It would be funny if I just bought the console and set it on... <laughs> Set it by my TV until The Last of Us 2 came out. <laughs> like, still in the box. Yeah. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be good. Because your kids would want to play it, and you'd just be like, no, do not touch The Last of Us 2 machine. Don't don't remove it from the box. It is mint. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway. Uh, actually, okay, so a bit of a backstory here. I have a RSS feed for Deadspin.com, which does sports commentary for the most part. Talks about all the sports. <laughs> Has some pretty good columnists as well. Um, it is part of the Gawker family. And so what that means is part they put this stuff into the deadspin.com feed. Every once in a while, I'll see something from Dez Jezebel or from Gawker or from Kotaku or something that I'm just not interested in. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to grow their brand across all the different areas. And maybe somebody who only subscribed to Deadspin is interested in this other stuff. And that's great. But I'm generally not. So anyway, one of these came through and was like... Spider-Man helps the police, and this is why it's bad. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. It was one of their political arms, political arms of the Gawker industry. And basically the argument was, so the Assassin's Creed towers in this game are surveillance towers? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're um, Oscorp Tech, the police integrated. Yes. And they're not towers. They're just kind of like, more like satellite dishes. They're not huge. You don't have to climb anything. Oh, really? You don't climb them? No, of course not. You're Spider-Man. You just web up to the top. Where's the challenge? Oh, sorry. I thought you meant they were, like, at ground level. That would be hilarious. <laughs> You're just walking along. Oh, hey, that's our... I mean, not much of a tower, but... They're, they're basically like a satellite dish on the top of a building, but there is one, in the, like, on the ground in Central Park. So... Okay. You do just walk up to that one. That is funny. So anyway, the point was, like, why is Spider-Man helping the, what was, like, what's the term that they used there? It was like, the government jackbooted thugs oppress the people of New York City by helping them with these towers, was basically the argument. And I said, come on, chill. Like, he's still helping random people. Like, I really don't think the game wants to get into the oppressive police state in the United States of America. Like, he's helping the police out. He does that throughout the comics and throughout the series. And I don't have a problem with it. No, I don't have a problem with Spider-Man helping out the cops. Yeah. It's like 90% of what he does. Right. In my mind. Like, in my mind of 
who Spider-Man is. It's webbing people up and then getting the cops to come and take them. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, I mean, for a lot of the Spider-Man history, he's being chased as a vigilante, kind of like Batman. Mm, right. So, in that sense, he doesn't stick around and be like, hey, guys, here are these bank robbers. He ties them up and he bails because he doesn't want to have that conversation. Mm. So, I guess in that sense, it is a little bit weird that it's straight up the police make requests of Spider-Man and he is fulfilling them directly as a favor to them. Um... Just, it is a little bit out of place. I don't think Spider-Man's make, getting requests made of him by the police. Like, he has an informant who helps him from within the police, and she tips him off that uh, a possible inside job took down all the Oztech towers, uh, Osborne Tech towers, yeah. mm-hmm. and he says, and she's like, it could, you give us a hand trying to fix them, and he goes, sure. And then he, while doing that, he's like, yeah, but I had to sync with it, so now I'm seeing all the data that you guys are getting about crimes that are appearing. Oh. Okay. So it's it's not so much that he's being given roles by the police. It's that while helping one officer that he knew, he now has access to all their files. Okay. Way better. <laughs> yeah. So much less skeevy. Or not, actually. All right. So bottom line, the Spider-Man, what we've seen, makes us want to buy a PlayStation. So if you want the official Falcon and Wade review of a game they haven't played yet, thumbs up. Buy a PlayStation. Buy a PlayStation. <laughs> Uh, so we both watched a bit of the WCS Montreal for those of you who are interested in the StarCraft aspect of the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say this Rainer kid, he gonna be a monster. Yeah. It's his second premier tournament ever. And he's 16 years old. He's 16 years old. And he was in the grand finals and took it to an ace match. Took it to an ace match against Cyril, who... If you haven't seen the WCS points and standings chart yet, is <laughs> is literally head and shoulders and then another head and another pair of shoulders above the second place person in the standings who is Showtime. Yeah. Cyril's Sarah, doing pretty well this year. Don't know if you guys have seen. Uh, <laughs> he He's won four WCS events and he won GSL versus the world. So his WCS uh, points is 14,090. And you're like, okay, that's an interesting number. It's fine. And then number two, Showtime is 3,270. <laughs> he is orders of magnitude better than everybody else who's been playing the WCS this year. It's crazy. Yes. Has there ever been this level of dominance in one calendar year for WCS events? Has anybody ever in the history of WCS won this many major events through September? I don't know. Um, I don't certainly think not so. in the foreigners. Yeah, certainly not since the region lockout. No, I was just gonna say that Maru also has he has a huge lead. You know, not as much as Serral's. He's yeah. got almost twice number two spot stats, almost twice. But Serral just happens to have three times, almost four and a half times as much. <laughs> As Showtime. And that's the funny thing is I look at the list of people who've been competing this year and I'm like, well, Showtime's been doing okay. He's number two. He's yeah. number two <laughs> in the standings. But it just doesn't matter because Cyril has been so dominant. It's crazy. It's I think it's just been a really great year, right? We've got like mm. Raynor doing well, right? Yep. Not making it to BlizzCon, unfortunately. Oh, but that's the dumbest bad thing. But here's the thing. Has is. Yay! That is a Has, good thing. Has, who is also in the grand finals of a WCS event. Yep. Oh my god. Yeah. It's a crazy year. Yes. It's good. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm predicting right now that the, that the finals of BlizzCon are probably going to be Serral Maru. And yep. I'm, 
I, on one hand, really want to see that game. On the other hand, I really want to see Haas vs. Mar. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You think Mario really struggles against Haas? No, I don't think he would. But okay. I think Haas would still make it interesting. Because we've seen Cyril versus Haas already. And Haas gave Cyril a couple good games, but Cyril was clearly the better player. Yes. There's no arguing. I think I look at everyone in the top eight on the circuit and Korea. Huzz is not better than any of them, but Huzz no. can beat any of them. Yes, can any given game, but that's why we play best of fives and best of sevens. Yes, yes. Yeah, I am so stoked for a Serral Maru BlizzCon final, though. If that doesn't happen, I'm going to riot. I will feel like it was stolen <laughs> from me. Because come on, <sighs> they're dominating their spheres of influence, unlike anything we've ever seen from both sides of this in the same year. It's destined. Yeah. It's got to happen. I, I can almost feel... If 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 I if I believed in fate, that fate is going to put them right next to each other in the same bracket, like right at the start, and they, it's going to be like the first match, and then that's it. Somehow they they both perform super weirdly, right, in the earlier rounds, <laughs> in the earliest stages, and get seated weird, and then yeah, we have like a round of thirty two match between <laughs> and Cyril somehow. <laughs> I'd take it. Give me that. I'll take that over they never meet. No, uh, what I meant was like they meet like I'm starting at like round of 8, like right there that that's where they're going to be, right next to each other there. Oh, okay. Yeah. That So it, it's still a, you know, a televised event, like a match, but it's not the finals. Like they're going to get close and just be like, "Nah." <laughs> yeah, nah, nah, mate. Nah. So I'm looking at nah. a Ligulac, uh Maru versus Serral. Mhm. So it basically, Aligulac says that in a best of three series, Morrow has a 73% chance of winning. Yeah. Although, does this take into account lifetime? Uh, what do you mean? Well, because Serral didn't go Super Saiyan until a couple years Recently. ago, right? Yeah. He's, he's been around for a very, very long time. And he's always been good, but he's never been great. And he just decided right. to like take it to another level. And so that's the Serral that we need to compare um, compare series against, you know? Right, but I mean, it right. says they've played against each other a thousand times. Really? Why does it say that? Well, look, Cicero has 583 wins and Morrow has 541. Or is that just lifetime match wins in a Ligulac competition? I think that's just oh. in qualifying matches, not against each other. We only have three games between these two players ever? Uh, Yes, that, I think that is accurate. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Holy smokes, that's incredible. Okay, now I'm even more stoked for it. Because they don't, they don't play. They don't play against each other. They've never played against each other, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, so excited! And then I'm okay. So I'm more impressed impressed by Maru just because of the state of Terran right now mm-hmm. in Starcraft. Less impressed by Serral a little bit, but the fact that he's so much better than everybody else playing a race that is considered favor, it kind of overcomes that. Right. I mean, if he was barely number one in the WCS standings and he was Zerg and be like, all right, well, Zerg's good. That's what's getting him over the top, but he's absolutely crushing everybody. And so I don't, yeah. So he's really, really good, but I just, I got to give it up for Maru, man. In a time when Terran fans feel like there's no hope that they can't win on the ladder, that they're unfavored in all matchups, even TVT. Maru comes along and says, (laughs) just "Just play like me, everyone. Just do what I do and you can win a lot too. Hmm. I mean, I feel like every few years someone comes along and it's just play like X. Like before it was like, just play like Beyond. Yeah. And then before that it was just play like TY or someone. I don't know. Yeah. Beyond was kind of like my entry point into StarCraft. So there were no Terrans before him. He's the, the original for me. Yes. He is Terran <laughs> Prime for sure. Terran Prime. Yes. Yeah. 
it's just it's easier to say like, right if you're Terran and Terran kind of sucks in the balance and like there's no Terrans in the top five in the standings you're like Terran Blizz hates us but when Mara's at the top you're like crap <laughs> it's doable <laughs> it must be me then yeah it's harder to blame balance when maru is doing it so well with the same toolbox that you have you know speaking of uh balance have you read the new balance patch uh notes yeah we should talk about that as well yeah we should that's kind of a lot to go through yes can do it so uh, just to stress this is not something that's actually going to make it to ladder this is a proposed balance change they're going to put it onto the servers in a couple days and then people will play play against each other mm using these changes and then they'll use the feedback to determine whether or not it actually makes it into the game yes so we'll start with terran mm -hmm. and the battle cruiser so i mean there's a lot of numbers here they increase the damage they decrease the damage on the yamato cannon but the big thing is here can move while shooting mm -hmm. and yes. to be honest whenever i looked at the battle cruiser and said this isn't working like whenever anybody makes them they're <laughs> just not that good i mm. never considered they can't fire while moving as being one of those reasons but it totally is when you look at it yeah because they have to it's a spaceship but they have to move a meter forward to hit something yeah it i mean yes it makes no sense lore wise real world wise like just that... just watching it it doesn't make sense right no. and so when you're playing with it it feels worse than it is because you have to like these things have to move to fire a laser gun yes so good change i like it i mean i don't so as far as kiting goes i don't know that the battle cruiser is really fast enough to keep with keep up with most things the zerg have anyway so i don't really care certainly not on creep yeah certainly not on creep maybe hiders without the speed upgrade maybe slow roaches you can chase them down maybe maybe yeah. but i hate roaches anyway so i don't care personally <laughs> i really don't like making roaches i don't understand why but okay <laughs> uh, lowering Yamato cannon damage to 240 it says it actually affects void rays mostly as it now heavily damages them rather than outright, outright one shots them uh, they're considering taking the widow mine where you get the drilling claws upgrade it brings it back to permanently cloaking it I mean I'm, I'm kind of okay with it well by the time anybody gets drilling claws and it's clear you're using widow mines your opponent's going to have detection anyway it doesn't matter I don't think yeah the reason they got rid of the permacloak is because early widow mine pushes and widow mine drops are so hard to deal with but you mm. can't simultaneously go widow mine drop and get the drilling claws upgrade in time to really hit those early timings anymore right so it makes sense mm. how about the cyclone have any thoughts there uh less clone wars so right. that's got to be good basically all I think it really like that's kind of the only place you see cyclones so it can't have much effect anywhere else i think well they destroy roaches <laughs> i mean well yes 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 but you don't make roaches i do not personally but man in some of the games that i cast it's like oh good it's a whole ton of roaches versus some cyclones oh <laughs> oh that cyclone has 13 kills oh that cyclone has seven. Oh, right i forgot how much they thoroughly own roaches right yeah so this should help maybe your roaches trade a little bit better maybe Maybe. maybe maybe stalkers too we'll have to wait and see yeah thor yeah so the thor they reworked a couple things here they uh, made the 250 millimeter punisher cannons faster faster firing speed mm -hmm. and they increased the damage from 35 plus 15 armored to 40 plus 10 versus massive mm. yes reduced some armor 
and decrease the javelin missile launcher area of effect radius from 0.6 to 0.5. So bottom line, they were the reason they introduced this Punisher Cannon single target mode was to deal with things like Tempests and Broodlords, especially carriers, battlecruisers, things like that. It, apparently, they just didn't feel it had enough of an effect against those big ships and big things. Mm. So they absolutely, absolutely buffed it for that. Does Broodlord count as massive? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all three of the races' big, big things are massive. Yeah. I guess mothership for Protoss too. For some reason, I've, like, I've been playing a lot of co-op and like Zerg have Leviathans. For some reason, I thought there was a Leviathan-esque unit that Zerg had that was massive. I didn't... Yeah. They don't look as big as Battlecruisers or, or carriers in my mind. Yeah. No. Yeah. Now you're making me question, but I'm pretty sure... Yeah. Armored, biological, and massive. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I like Thors as a unit. I don't think they're super overpowered. Making them a little bit better might be okay. Yeah. Might be. I mean... It's not without its drawbacks. They're also reduced base armor from two to one, so they're going to take a little more damage from everything. Yes, and are a little bit worse against Mutaflox. Yes, because at the moment, like, a Thor comes out, you, your Mutaflox just runs away. Yeah, unless you can magic box it. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it's usually with Marines and stuff, so uh, anyway. Hard to magic box it when it's being escorted by Marines. Yeah. So in other Terra news, the Medivac, they change high-capacity fuel tanks to no longer increase the duration of Ignite Afterburners. Now it reduces the cooldown of Ignite Afterburners from 14 to 9, which I think is a good change. Nobody ever, ever, ever researched high-capacity fuel tanks? No. The only time anyone in the history of StarCraft to research, get that upgrade is Kelazar at BlizzCon <laughs> last year. Yep. And I still think he just did it for the memes. <laughs> he probably did, but it looked like it was kind of helping. Kind of, but... Absolutely, making it so you can boost more frequently is something Terran fans are going to go for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they made Hyperflight Rotor Upgrade for Banshee cheaper. Mm -hmm. I mean, they kind of terrify me as Zerg because Mutas can't catch them and Corruptors can't catch them. And that's generally <laughs> okay. what you have to deal with uh, Banshees. Um, uh, I mean, Queens and Spores. Sure. But yeah. it just forces you to invest in a lot of static defense when without the Hyperflight, you just make some Mutas and they're done. Right? Right. Yeah. I mean, this might scare you, but oh well. Good. <laughs> Good. Take that, Zerg. Basically, no one in competitive play actually makes these. So. No, they don't. I've seen a couple people get it, but I don't think it actually made it worth it. I, I don't see them getting out a couple of Banshees. The Zerg gets muters and they go, okay, well, I'll just get Hyperflight. No. Hyperflight isn't the answer to anything. No, it only makes sense if you're planning on going six to eight Banshees. You're just roving around picking off bases, basically, is what the plan is there. Yeah. And that's what I've seen. I wish I could remember who it was, but somebody got a big Banshee Hyperflight rotor group and it was just picking off hatcheries so fast. And there were spores and there were queens, but I mean, they attack so hard and they, their mm. range is so far that you couldn't really stop the hatcheries from dying. Uh, I think I vaguely, I mean, once again, vaguely remember, I think I vaguely remember seeing someone who got Hyperflight rotors and then you're actually fast enough to duck in and out of spore cooler range so that they can't hit you oh, as you attack. Fancy micro, yeah. Big Raven news, anti-armor missile damage reduced from 15 to 0, and it also reduces Protoss shields as well as armor. So that's actually mm. kind of incredible. No more using anti-armor missile clumps to take out groups of lings or groups of mm -hmm. marines. You can reduce their armor, but they're not going to die straight up from getting hit. Yes. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I think it's great. I mean, I think it should do one damage <laughs> just for the fun of it. <laughs> sure. So Raven. I guess for me, I was always, I was just not a fan of it because it... The 
time from when it's launched to when it hits is very short. It's very fast. And if you get one off into a group of Marines or a group of Lings, like you're not splitting off. <laughs> There's no, yeah, I never no. saw anybody split off from that, even at the highest level. Mm. So it's going to hit. And so it's guaranteed splash damage, which I don't think exists in StarCraft right now. Not, not in a guaranteed form. No. That's what I'm saying, right? Fungal used to be instant cast. You couldn't dodge it. And now you can. I think everything that can do splash damage is guaranteed splash damage provided there's something standing next to it, right? Because you can complain that this guaranteed splash damage because it's moving so fast, but it's also only ever being fired at clumps of things. You don't fire it at a single thing. Right. Whereas things like Widow Mines are pretty much only getting to fire at something like one thing at a pro level. It's like it's the one stalker that's going to blink away in half a second's time. So. Very true. Yeah. Well, but then you have Storm which usually hits clumps because it's an instant cast, but you can move out of it. Right. It's damage over time, whereas the the missile was just instant damage. Bam, here it is. So I'm cool with it. We'll see how it changes TVT especially because it was really used heavily in TVT in late game. Yeah. Uh, engineering bay, Neosteel frame, and structure armor are being combined into Neosteel armor, which combines the upgrades, cost 150, 150, and... Basically, they just folded two upgrades into one and made it this cost the same. Yes. <laughs> Neosteel frame improvements are often requested by various Neosteel enthusiasts in the community. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, I saw that on the Reddit thread about this. It's like, there are dozens of us. We've been asking for this for seven years and we finally got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Hilarious. All right, Zerg. They changed unburrow speeds for Lings and Hydrolisks. Eh. Yeah, okay. Uh, they decreased the Hydralisk uh, HP from 90 to 85, which is a throwback. It was 85 for a while. Yeah. Woo, we did it. It's Woo. over. Do you really <laughs> think Hydras are that good right now, especially against Terran? No. no. I don't either. Why? What is this for? Who complained about Hydralisk health right now? Uh, I think I see lots of people complaining about it. I saw someone Ooh. on the Reddit uh, com- like being like, yay, thank God it's over. But okay, so remember when for a while there, every ZVP was just a Hydralisk timing attack at like eight minutes mm-hmm. and there was nothing the Brodos player could do about it. Yeah. If that's happening, okay, let's tweak the Hydralisk. But that's not happening now. That's not a thing anymore. We don't have these super OP Hydra timings that the Protoss can't handle. And Terran doesn't, like, Terran has no problem with them at all. I, I think Hydras are still doing way too much damage for the amount of health they have. Well, had. Okay, say Marines. Yeah, they don't have a lot of HP. Right. So what are you, oh, you're saying they have too much health for how much damage they do. Oh, okay. I misunderstood. Got it. Yeah, I don't think it will change anything. If it doesn't, then don't worry about it. Yep. Uh, infested Terran cast range increase. Don't care. This is the interesting one. Ultralisks. <laughs> we brought in the Brood War upgrade, Anabolic Synthesis, which increases Ultralisk off creep speed by 10%, and on creep yeah. speed is unaffected. How, what's the percentage of speed increase on creep? Is it 13, I think? I honestly don't know the answer to that. To the Googles. Professional caster you are. Mm-hmm. The increase is 30% for most units. Holy crap. It's a lot faster than I thought. Okay, yeah. so I'm interested to see how well this does because something that they don't uh, show is what it looks like if it's chasing down concussive shell marauders, right? Because oh. that gift... Those are just regular marauders. Oh, no. It's got a blue flash. So I think that's conch shell. Yeah. You can't slow ultras anyway. They're massive. Do they not count? You can't slow massive units with a concussive shell. Hmm. You can't slow Thors. You can't slow Colossus with it. Okay. See, this is a problem where I play way too much co-op where it clearly does. 
<laughs> Playing co-op ruins your understanding of ladder for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not laddering ruins my understanding of ladder. Of ladder. Very true. Okay. So, okay, so it's weird that they then show it with conch shells because it's irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, so it's now going to chase stuff down. Yep. Can Stim Marine still outrun it? Because that's kind of what needs to be, like, that's maybe. I feel like the ultras, that that's one very quick ultra with that. Yep. Yeah. Slower than they are on creep, though. Would you be happy if they got this, but were affected by concussive shell? No, because then it's useless. Uh, okay. You don't make them against Protoss anyway, because the world wreck their faces. And if you're going against Terran Bio and they've got Marauders, then if you slow them, then so what? Who cares how fast they are? They're getting slowed the whole time. Mm. Big I mean, scare. Like this just gives me Jurassic Park flashbacks. Like it's a giant <laughs> dinosaur running at people. <laughs> There's yeah. no way to stop it, slow it. It's just going to come and slice you in half. Correct. Get more tanks. Well, here's the thing. The answer to Ultras has always been Liberators, tanks, and ghosts. ghosts. The fact that right. Marines and Marauders can handle Ultras is stupid. Tier 1, uh, tier 1.5 versus the very most complex scary thing that Zerg can make. Hmm, who's going to win that? A lot of the little guys. It's all about numbers. <laughs> Unless they're Marines, you're not winning that. Just the Marauders. <laughs> you, you, you can. Uh, I've seen one Reaper defeat a Ultralisk. Okay, yes. Eventually. It, te- it technically can be done. Correct. Because melee <laughs> it and It will slow. break the player's wrist. <laughs> I mean, bottom line here is I never, ever, ever make Ultras versus Terran. There's no reason to make them at all right now, and this will make me make them. Hmm, you reckon? And see how it works. Oh, for sure. I love Ultras. I love Ultralisks. I have the collector's edition of Heart of the Swarm because it has the Ultralisk, the fancy one. Right. And I never make them. It's so sad. Okay. Right. In other news, Nidus Network, Nidus Worm. So they increased the cost uh, for the network and decreased the cost for the worm. And mm-hmm. the worm is no longer invincible while it is emerging, which we that's how it was for a very, very long time. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. This whole invincible coming up out of the ground thing is a legacy of the void. Okay. For the longest time, if you nightest someone and they saw it, their workers could kill it before it erupted easily. Oh, the workers could kill it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... Back in Heart of the Swarm, there was this build where the Protoss would put three pylons at the bottom of your ramp as Zerg and lock you out. Mm. And it just had this incredible win rate across all levels of StarCraft. And so they put that's what the unbuildable rocks are for at the bottom of the ramp from your main. Specifically for that reason. I saw the uh, Clan War cast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where I explain that. Okay. So one of the things Zerg could do was basically try to get up to Anitis real fast and Anitis your opponent's main. Which, if your opponent was paying attention and had vision of their base, they would just pull their probes, surround it, and kill it easily. There was no chance it was getting off. And if you got it off, it's because they weren't paying attention. That was it. That was what determined if you could Nidus a Protoss. Okay. Yeah. So, they didn't say anything about increasing the armor or anything, did they? No. Uh, incre- instead, it has six armor. So, six armor while it's coming up. So, that yes. might actually be enough to where workers can't kill it. You actually have to have army units there to take it down. I mean, workers only do five damage, don't they? Yeah, so 0.5 with... You could fit like 20 workers around that thing. Mm. So 0.5, pretty fast attack. Depends on how much HP it has, I guess. We'll see. Somebody will test it out and we'll figure it out. Maybe we should test it out and put it on the YouTubes. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. When this stuff goes live. Yeah. So then there's Burrow on Burrow. Do we care about that? We do not. Okay, and then we're on to Protoss. Yep. Um, Yep. Nexus Recall, been renamed. 
and the cooldown on the Nexus recall is been reduced from 130 seconds to 85. Hmm. But the uh, radius is going from 6.5 to 2.5. It's less than half. Yeah. So you can't recall your whole army anymore, Protoss. No, your army cannot be in, you know, two places at once, more or less. Yeah, I mean, there are not a lot of things that make me rage a whole ton in StarCraft, but when a Protoss army shows up and takes down my fourth and then just recalls home, when I'm setting up to surround them or countering and it just doesn't matter, ugh, so mad. So not so much anymore. Uh, We decrease the energy cost for hallucination because... Yep. Yep. Just reasons. I... I don't remember anyone ever using hallucination recently. Heart of the Swarm, a hallucinated phoenix was a pretty common way to get a scout off. Okay, I, I see that. Yeah. Right? I see I, I see the hallucinated phoenix, but I don't think that really matters. Like, okay. The cost for one hallucinated phoenix, I don't think that matters. Right. I don't know. I'd like to see hallucination used in battles, honestly. <laughs> yeah. We need yeah. more Idra I mean, moments. I, I would too, but I, I don't think... Any amount of like reducing the cost is going to stop people from just using force fields and guardian shield. True. Much better. Better spells. And yep. guardian shield's now been increased in radius mm. by 0.5. Uh, high Templar feedback damage reduced from one point per point of energy to 0.5 per point of energy drained. So does that mean yes. you can't one-shot medevacs and stuff anymore? Uh, I believe so, yes. All right. And it was specifically about the Ghost-High Templar relationship. That's interesting. So Ghosts mm. can't one-shot High Templar with Steady Shot, but Templars can still one-shot Ghosts if they have enough energy. So they just switched it up for that reason. That's interesting. Also makes Vipers less fragile, according to this. Oh, okay. Which allows Zerg a few more chances to pull apart Protoss players' late-game armies. Yeah. And then the Robo facility is cheaper by 50 minerals. Which, I don't know, man. I've seen GM players really, really complain about the proxy cannon Robo contain against Zerg. It's already hard to deal with, and now it's faster. Yeah, it was like, who was it in the gauntlet who proxy two, like two Robos proxied against low zero? <laughs> uh, I think Romson did that. It sounds like Romson. Yep. I think it's going to be interesting. This is an interesting change. Colossus, auto-tracking on the turret. So, I'm going to be honest, I don't think I ever really realized this was a thing. Really? Yeah. I don't know. The times I've seen the Colossus retreating from the enemy, I don't think I've even noticed them turning around to get any shots off at all. Mm. It always seemed like they were just running. Like, they weren't attack moving. They were just running, right? Yeah. I think most people just, like, run. Yeah. Get out of here. Right, and even if they're protected by stalkers or zealots or immortals or whatever, like they're still not turning to fire as their army retreats. They're just going. Hmm. So I don't know who asked for this change. It makes sense. Like if you're going to build a colossus with a fully rotating head, then it should be able to just face backwards the whole time and shoot. Yeah, it shouldn't really have a front, as it were. Right. Well, so. well, front should not be uh, defined to the direction it's traveling. Correct should mean yes 100 percent. especially with that unit design especially yeah and then we have the m canning update it is they should have just called it that purification nova change back to the pre 4.0 state nova deploys a ball of energy that will detonate after two seconds dealing 155 damage and an additional 55 shield damage to all ground units in its radius so it no longer detonates when it makes contact with the enemy Mm-hmm. And it now sends a threat signal to the opponent on detonation instead of during the launch phase that's garbage i don't like that <laughs> Okay. Like, change the other stuff and bring it back to the pre-nerf version. But if, like, if you're going to make it better, then let us know when a ball of explosive dynamite is being launched at our units. Mm. That's all. Okay, we're on the same page. Tempest. Uh, made it cheaper, made it cost less supply. 
made it less tanky, made it faster, and gave it better acceleration. Yes. I'm just going to make it interesting to uh, see how it gets used now, I think. Yep. I don't know. I feel like Tempest were kind of like artillery pieces designed to be like huge things that sit a little bit back, but now they can kind of move and shoot a bit faster, a better, I think. Yep. That's a big acceleration increase. Yeah. Like they're going to take off twice as fast as yeah. they used to. Think about that. Yeah. It's really good. I wish there was a video showing the acceleration, but yeah, that'd be nice. It but would nope, be. We just get up fighting some battle cruisers and liberators, which is a fight you never, ever, ever see in Starcraft. What is this? <laughs> I don't know. And then Carrier got rid of the Graviton catapult upgrade, gave it a mm-hmm. hit point and shield increase, made it uh, build in less time, increased the mm-hmm. interceptor build time, decreased the interceptor damage. And they get a one by one per air attack upgrade instead of one by two, so they made it tankier and less DPSy, basically. Yes, I mean the less damage is kind of nice. Well, and they say specifically here, carriers right now are really good against things that are kind of intended to soft counter it, like hydrolisks and marines. So this makes it mm. a little bit better for those ground air ground uh ground to air unit attacks. Yes. Mothership, blah blah blah. Attack speed of enemy units and structures, which I guess. It's always made sense thematically. <laughs> yeah. Like, why does it make you walk slower, but everything else is the same speed? It doesn't make no sense at all. Uh, shield battery works on units under the effect of the Phoenix Graviton Beam. Hmm. Meh. Yeah. Uh, assimilators lost a third of their HP and shields. Which is hilarious, because part of that clan war, there's a lot of discussion of how come assimilators have so much more health than other buildings <laughs> from the other races to get gas, and there's no reason for it. So Blizz was like, eh, here. I don't know. I didn't even know that they did. <laughs> as long as it's even with the others, I'm fine with it. Like, I don't care. Right. Gateway, once warp gate research is complete, newly built gateways will automatically transform into warp gates upon completion. Which the pros won't even notice. No, but the pros will not notice. No. And the lower level players will notice, which I kind of don't like. Because... They shouldn't be able to just throw down a bunch of gates and then forget about them. Yeah, it's really weird for them to have a balance change that affects only the people who are bad at StarCraft. Like, when have they done that? I don't know. I don't know. Um, um, maybe Chrono, when they went to just it being a continuous state. Oh, 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 and Chrono Boost just was forever, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. All right, so those are the proposed changes. You should be able to hop on and play them at some point. Well, by the time yeah, this comes out, you'll be able to play them. <laughs> <laughs> That's certainly possible. All right. So, good, good. Those are the changes. We are dead out of time at this point. But do you need another minute? Do you need a minute? Yeah. Let's give me one more minute. All right. One more minute on the clock. Three, two, one, go. Aaron Rodgers, you guys. So, the guy is having a terrible game against the Bears on Sunday night. He's not passing well. He doesn't have any touchdowns. He just looks bad. He looks hurt. Then he gets really hurt. He takes a leg injury, gets carted off the field, cannot walk out under his own power, and he thinks he's done for the year. He comes back somehow, someway in the second half and is on fire. He completes most of his passes. He throws three touchdowns. He unleashes a 50-yard touchdown strike perfectly to a wide receiver who's fairly well covered in the end zone and just looks incredible. All the while, he can't move. I don't know what's going on with this dude. I assume he was shot up full of drugs. I don't know if he's coming back for the rest of the season, but that was the most amazing performance I've seen from a quarterback ever, I think, in my entire life. He's super hurt. He comes back, wins 24-23 against the Bears after getting effectively shut out in the first half. Literally shut out in the first half, 17-0. to 
and makes it happen. And the thing about it is he has such a reputation that when he got the ball back with Stop. the two and a half minutes left, you thought he was going to score and knew he was going to score. Amazing. Okay. All right. Cool. Good. That's it. We're done. That's it. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Falcon Paladin Hour. As always, you can check us out on Patreon. You can buy our merch. And until next time, as always, thanks for being here. And you take care of yourself.